Welcome back Rebels to season three of Creative Rebels. I'd love to start it in a really positive way, Ad, but I, I've got a confession to make. All right, Asha, go on. I'm a fraud. What, what have you done? Well, in this episode, I was listening back to it today and I start talking about Stephen Pressfield and the war of art and how he talks about the resistance, which is basically what stops you from doing your creative work. Yeah. And I'm going on about how what I do is I, I identify when I'm feeling the resistance and then I'm able to battle it. Dude, I have not properly painted for so long and I've really been sitting in it today. Listening back to this episode has really helped because we really go into sabotage, which is what Emma's like latest book is about, of how we sabotage ourselves and we want to be doing the creative stuff, but we find all of these ways and reasons not to do it. A lot of it's been, we've had a lot of podcast work that we've had to do that we, yeah. like, that's been taking a lot of my time. But I think one of the, one of the worst things that I did was when you interviewed me, I counted up how many paintings I'd made and yeah. I counted up that there'd been 98. And then I made this big sort of hoo-ha about doing 98 in one year. And then it got to the new year. And like all of a sudden, because I'd counted it up and I'd kind of written off, like there, there was like this stop point of the new year. So it didn't flow into me. I just create. I'd all of a sudden I'd got this number and now I was aware of, because everyone was sending me messages going, oh, you're going to do a hundred this year or like try for 150 or like just, and all of a sudden I just, it killed my creativity. I haven't created for, for probably about two weeks. I've like half done a canvas and painted one street piece and I'm just in a funk do you think that's because you don't have a goal because i know like you're so goal driven like you're so like stubborn about i'm gonna do this and it's gonna happen that when you started painting last year you had yourself the goal of i want to try and hit 10k on instagram and then when kind of lockdown hit you were like okay well i'm gonna try and, try and create as much paintings as possible you'd really set that out of like this is what i want to achieve in a certain time frame whereas as soon as that new year ticks over because you'd everything had led up to the end of that last year now it's like you're like oh well i haven't actually set a new goal for myself so it's kind of like oh well yeah and it's just kind of like fallen away yeah and all of a sudden starting back at number one i think i should maybe start from 98 and work from there because what had happened before i had set those goals but then it just become habit and i'd got into the practice of and i spoke about it in my episode treating the treating it like work rather than my hobby um, and then all of a sudden, when I stopped for Christmas and New Year, I broke my habit pattern and I haven't been able to get them started again. And reading Emma's book has been really useful in that the things that I'm doing, I, I don't understand the reasons why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. I haven't got that deep into my brain of I don't know why I'd rather sit here and watch YouTube videos and scroll Instagram in under the guise of doing work than I would rather go up and start painting. I think a lot of it yeah. is, it's been really rainy. So my only option has been canvases and canvases don't excite me. Um, but that shouldn't stop me. But the fact that they don't excite me as much as painting on outside and the energy of creating outside shouldn't, shouldn't be the thing that holds me back. I should say I am hardworking. This is my work. This is the project in front of me and I need to just get back into that habit. And I think it's really important to remind yourself that it's the process that you love. Mm. And it's like getting back into that being like, actually, even though it's raining and I can't do that there, how can I find a way to enjoy the process doing it elsewhere? I think as soon as you can find that, then it almost doesn't matter. And even if it's like, okay, well, 
if it is pissing it down out rain outside and you can't paint in the studio you don't want to do a canvas what else can you do that could be fun that could also help drive that forward like can you spend a while trying to find new walls can you put some designs together do some research on getting some stuff that then as soon as like the weather clears and you can actually go straight out again you've got everything that you need ready to go even just making sure there's a suitcase there ready now with all the stuff packed exactly so as soon as it's good you can just mm. go and i think making it as easy for yourself as possible to get back into that and then i suppose that's going to come down to as well just some like forcing yourself into the first couple because it starting that habit up again is going to be hard initially but then once you're in it it will be fine and you will be able to keep going yeah I, I will check back in this time next week and uh, I'll let you know how it's going because I am determined to to get out of this. So moving on to more positive things. It's our bloody season three. Uh, series three. God, it I just messed yes. up. So. It's our series three. And I am very excited for this. The third year, the magic year, the year when, when it all happens. I, I mean, I think we have to a degree sort of supercharged our first two years and seen a lot of success with the podcast um i think when we give the three-year formula it is it does involve a lot of learning if it's your first endeavor and for us we had a lot of those lessons under our belt already so we were able to sort of do things a little bit quicker but i am super excited with just just sticking it out for three years and and moving into our third year still being here still providing value people sharing the podcast, telling their friends about it and and just growing and helping as many people as possible. I think what's interesting as well is how you were talking about the number of paintings that you'd done and how resetting back to one was a hard thing to do. That's what we do every year with this podcast. It's like, this is season three, episode one. So we're kind of starting again and we could have a huge tally that adds up, but I think it's nice not to have that huge number as being something that's always there, always kind of like in the background. It's remembering like, why am I doing this? It's because I actually enjoy doing it. It doesn't matter how many I create. As long as I keep doing it consistently and I keep enjoying the process, then that's what I should be aiming for rather than just a number. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to continue bringing you the best show that we're humanly capable of. Um, we really appreciate anyone's feedback. Any, I've been answering lots of questions on Creative Rebels Instagram at the moment. So at Rebels Create, if you guys have ever got any business questions that we can help you with. We've got an apology to make for everyone who tried to sign up to access last week and sent us a message saying am i being stupid no you were not being stupid our website was down but it is now up you can go to creativerebels.co forward slash access to attend our next event which is when our next event is on february 2nd so only two weeks time from when this is coming out um and i think that's one thing i'm super looking forward to in 2021 is the fact that hopefully the world will open up again and we can start doing these access events in person but for now, we're going to continue to do them online. So, so we generally do our sessions where the first part of it will be me and David doing a talk on a certain topic around the creative entrepreneur kind of field. Um, and then we'll take Q&A. So if you've got any questions, if you need any help with your creative business, any help with your just creative passion, like even if you just need some advice on something, like come along, we'll have to answer those questions. And yeah, they're always really fun. Like the last few we've done have been really great. It's a really great chance to like, form a community as well because i know like off the back of the last one i kind of sent everyone who kind of wanted to be involved in it a kind of a link to everyone else's instagram accounts and they all started networking from there so it's really nice to see the community coming together and i can't wait for this year because it means that we're actually going to be able to get the community together in real life at these access events in person when we eventually get there hopefully we'll see we'll see um 
But yes, for now, it's over Zoom. We invite you guys up on stage so you can actually ask your question in person rather than just through text. And uh, they are a lot of fun and we're really looking forward to it. So it's, it's a real opportunity for us. Although through the show, we talk about things that we think will affect everyone uh, in, in certain ways. Through Access, we're able to actually answer your specific questions. So you can tell us that you've got a cake shop that does this and this is what you're struggling with and we'll be able to dive down on what a cake shop should actually do rather than what the generic advice is for everyone so um so yeah come along they're always fun and great place to network and hang out with us it's a fun event if you know any other creators out there who might benefit from this like or just want a nice thing to do in the evening because there's not too much to do at the moment so get a friend to sign up too and yeah all come along because it'll be really fun we got posted on someone's instagram story today and they wrote a really lovely message, which was basically, I love this podcast. These guys are genuinely trying to help creatives and they're not selling anything. It was posted by Daniel Crossan, who is a regular listener to the show. And it really meant a lot to me. It's like, we do obviously have a motive for this show and it does have to earn money in order to survive, but we we don't sell to you guys. We we do partnerships and and that's how that's how we stay afloat with the podcast. But really like genuinely is our goal to empower you guys to lead a more beautiful life and we think that it is totally a possible thing that we've managed to do and we want other people to do one of the things talking with emma in this episode and like bless emma i'm so like she's such a wonderful person and i i love having these chats with her and i'm so glad that that she's part of this show like a regular annual guest um and one thing she was talking about is is just once you have that that success, like the need to share it with other people and, and lift other people up and, and see their success as well, yeah. it is it really is like one of the most incredible things to experience. And when we see the success of of you listeners and, and the amazing projects that you're doing, it, it really does like warm our heart or whatever saying you want to apply to it. Like it, it means the absolute world to us. So I just want to thank everyone for listening. And and also, I do also want to call out you if you're listening and you're being too lazy and you're getting in your own way and you enjoy listening to this show, but you haven't pulled the trigger yet. Like now's the time, especially if you've been listening for the past two years or if you're a new listener and you've just started, like now's the time to pull the trigger. Do the thing that you love. I think now's the perfect time to do that mentally. And it's also the perfect time to do it economically. I feel like we're in such a, bad economical place in the country right now and the world is that as things get better going forward things will accelerate so if you can start now and make a a bit of a success now in the future it's going to do so much better and I think starting now when things are hard is going to give you the best chance to go forward like when we first started our business it was back after the last major recession and it was super hard at the start but we learned so much especially with like marketing yourself getting your name out there when you've not got the money to do it so you're you have to think of creative ways to do that so if you can set yourself the task now like the challenge for 2021 of being like this is the year I'm going to start my thing if you can start it now and make it a success now you're going to be so much better set for the future than someone who starts in a year's time when things are a bit more normal again I 100% agree with that it's the it's the counterintuitive thing do not start a business when the world is is in turmoil. But that's exactly the time to start because everyone else is thinking, I better not start now because the world is in turmoil. So you will have a, a head start and everyone that doesn't start. And it means that when things do pick up, 
you'll have your systems in place everything like you you will just see so much growth and for us when we managed to survive the previous recession it was like as soon as that went away we we had no idea that our business was going to like skyrocket like it did but again it it came after three years of establishing ourselves learning what we were doing figuring business out and then all of a sudden at the end of that three years it coincides with things starting to get back on track in the country economically it's just like oh we are we are fully capable of taking on these briefs that are coming in with big money for for global brands. It's like yes, we can do this because we've been practicing for three years when these briefs weren't that were few and far between because there wasn't many people out there. It's the perfect training ground for us to get started. So definitely get started now because now is the best time and also the best time to start the season three of our podcast. So let's get going. Yes, we have obviously. Emma Gannon returning for a record-breaking third time to launch Series 3 of Creative Rebels. Emma is a best-selling author, podcast host, speaker, and one of our favourite humans. Emma's recent book, Sabotage, dives into the strange tendency of creatives to ruin their work, either consciously or subconsciously, and how to get out of your own way. In this episode, we talk about the positives of 2020, new ways of working, and sabotage. What happens with sabotage is sometimes we sabotage things because we're not necessarily scared of rejection we're scared of our dreams coming true hi emma Gallen. hello i'm so excited to be back on your brilliant podcast third time running welcome back again third time lucky some might say i know really really happy to be back and i was actually thinking about you guys the other day and when you were launching that podcast and you wanted it to be number one in the itunes charts and then it was and then now look at it very exciting yeah, it's been a long time since those days. We survived. We're still here. Yeah, it's like three years has gone quite quickly. And do you remember we were talking about the three-year rule? Yeah, literally in that episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is our magic year. So hopefully, hopefully, yeah, magic things start to happen this year. I, I listened back to the episode that we did last year, right on the cusp of the beginning of 2020, when we were so young, so naive, so, <laughs> so carefree. And we had no idea what was about to hit the fan. No, and I honestly feel like a completely different person. And I don't know if you guys do as well, but so much has happened this year. So much growth in such a horrible time. Just feel like a lot has sped up, I suppose. Yeah. Do you think that's because people have just had time to sit with their thoughts and work out what's important to them? I think so. It's weird because I have no photos and documentation of this year. Sorry, last year, 2020. So it felt like this year that didn't exist, but at the same time, so much internal stuff happened. So I don't have anything to show for it. Like my iPhone is just, there's nothing on it. Um, But yeah, a lot happened in my own head and I'm kind of thankful for that in a weird way. Well, we kind of spoke before, like when we were setting up the interview, we sort of said, let's if we're gonna talk about the pandy then let's not focus on the negative because that's been done to death so what are some things that brought you joy during this time yeah i like that this was a question because i suppose i did want to caveat as well that we're talking about positive things in terms of maybe creative work and life and our mental health i can't find any positives in terms of the pandemic (laughs) and the actual horrors of it but in terms of being someone who could spend a bit of time slowing down because I am a really busy person and I know that's you know busy is not a badge of honor and we know that but I so got caught up in that trap of a busy diary means productive means successful 
And I wasn't productive last year and I had to sit with that and make peace with that and also feel bored again. I hadn't felt bored for years. And I'd read all those think pieces and those like research pieces in the New York, New York Times saying that boredom creates your most creative thoughts. And I was like, I don't believe it. And now I can say, no, that is true. That is true. I run away from boredom, like actively run away from boredom. It's the one thing that I cannot stand. And even during the pandy, I, I ran away from it and made sure that I was, I basically I self-isolated up on the roof of the studio and was just painting every day because I I can't sit in that boredom. It's, um, I mean, you can tell me, all, and like, I love you and respect you, Emma, but like, you could tell me all day long to to be bored. I just, I can't, it, like, it's the one thing that I have to get away from. I always have to be active brainly. I can't, I can't meditate. I can't sit and focus I'm like a nightmare but in a way that's it's really good that you could just channel it like that because I, I think the reason I was bored is because I had a huge creative block I was so blocked I couldn't write I had no new ideas I realized that all my ideas pretty much come from being with my friends being in the pub sitting on the bus mm. looking out of the window going traveling I get all my ideas on planes and trains I know that sounds probably lucky that I get them that way but it's true like I get my ideas from being in the world and I couldn't write my next novel I felt because I didn't have anything I literally had nothing like no stimulus and it's come back now thank god but um I just wanted to be honest about that with people who were like oh my god so you know what you're working on and I was like nothing I I this is awful (laughs) um but I found a way now to unblock myself during these times which I feel like so powerful now. I'm like, oh, I can be creative. Um, it's just I needed to find a new way. And what, what what way was it that you found to unblock that? Well, I went back to Julia Cameron, the saint of all creativity. Um, I, I guess you guys have heard of The Artist's Way and her, her other books, but uh, I had to find a routine. I was never someone that had a routine. I was just like, I've always got ideas. I've got them coming out of every single yeah. Google Doc I own. I'm, you know, but then I had to get up in the mornings, write the three pages that she says you should write the morning pages, get out all of the gunk that was in my head and also work with what I had. Like the most creative thoughts do come through limitation and restriction. 100%. So my new idea is actually set in my hometown. It was going to be set in New York. And I was like, well, I, I can change the location and I can I can use this base of memories that I have. I don't need to go out and about to get our new new ideas. I need to, yeah, just work with what I already have. And that was a challenge, but it was good. I think something interesting there, because I remember listening to a travel blogger talk years ago, and I've mentioned it before in the show about how this this traveler was like, he travels all around the world, does all these amazing things. And he was saying, like, if you're if you can't afford to do that and you're just at home, remember that to everyone else in the world where you live is a foreign place that somewhere is somewhere they haven't been before so i think people forget how important where they live actually is because the world is huge and especially if you think like potentially america's going to read this thing they're probably going to find a little town in england more interesting than new york which is the same place that everything else they read is being created about Exactly. And you don't need huge topics to be creative. Like Julia Cameron always says, go to your local park, write about the dog wearing the coat, write about the leaf, write about the dad sitting on the bench who's crying because his kid just fell over and 
you know, it's just like all of this stuff, like the world is so interesting. And another thing that I hadn't really done until last year was listen to music, like fully listen to a whole album of music, things like that. I mean, maybe I sound a bit mental, but I, I just feel like I've had really big highs and some lows, but really big highs of like walking in the park mm. and just being like, wow, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's funny you said music there because I've definitely rediscovered music in the past year because like I remember being, I suppose it's the last time I had a big amount of free time was when I was at uni. So like 12 years ago or something. And I used to spend so much time finding new music, like searching around for stuff. And I just loved it. I like, absolutely loved it. But then things work gets busy and like life carries on and you kind of don't find time to do that anymore it's like computer games used to play loads of computer games literally can't find an hour to play a computer game now but over the last year i've managed to find like i've kind of made time to find new bands find new music and i found like this whole genre of music that i didn't know existed i'm like oh my god amazing this is a new band this is a new band and i've got like so much like hype from just being able to find and rediscover this kind of thing that i used to love yeah, I love that. Adam loves uh, one-man bands with the uh, with the drum on the back, and they they walk around making the noise. Yeah, anything that's got a tuba in, isn't it? So good. A tuba. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really important in a world of algorithms and targeted adverts. Like the idea yeah. that you can go and stumble across stuff, and uh, yeah, I kind of missed that. I guess. Have Have you read? Because um, I think a lot of it overlaps with um, with Julia's work. But have you read uh, The War of Art by um, Stephen Pressfield? Obsessed. I discovered that in lockdown as well. I've discovered quite a lot of stuff. Um, audiobooks have been a bit of a um, a saviour because that, I guess, means you have to go on like the four-hour walk, not the one-hour walk, which I've been yeah, yeah, just yeah. completely getting involved in them. But yeah, love his books. Um, they're quite fast-paced and like aggressively American guru, but the actual content has really resonated with me. And, and actually, you know, when I wrote Sabotage, um, I thought this is so interesting that I'd never discovered Stephen Pressfield's work because I'm kind of saying what he's saying, but just in a different way. Yeah, I think as soon as I had that label of he, he calls it resistance, as soon as I could name it, then I could start to fight it. And it wasn't until I read that and I put the name. So to for anyone who hasn't read it, he basically procrastination or any, anything that stands in the way of you doing the actual work, which is the most important thing. The work is the most important thing. Um, anything that stands in the way of that he calls resistance and so if I am scrolling on Instagram or looking out the window or or under my covers or whatever it is and I'm not doing the work because and Instagram is like such a killer because that's where you feel like I feel like I am working or I just I'm I'm, it's bullshit I justify it to myself that I'm working and specifically I, I said to myself at the beginning of this year, like, let me have a go at Instagram, like get it successful, which I've done, but I wanted to do it by not spending any time on Instagram. I wanted it to be by putting that time into the work as opposed to into the social media. And I've done that. And, but then I'll find myself aimlessly scrolling. And as soon as I can go, that's the resistance. Like why, what, why am I doing this and not getting up on the roof and having a pain? Yeah. So now that I've identified it, I can fight it. It's so funny. Cause in Stephen's book, he says something like amateurs tweet and and writers write and i was so triggered i was like how <laughs> dare you i love i like i still love tweeting i do think it's like a writer's home even though it's toxic and blah 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 like just tweeting a little thought is is like that writers enjoy that but yeah he was right you know if i'm spending the whole day tweeting 
yeah, I'm not doing my work. And I love that he calls people out for that. And I suppose on that as well, it's like, are you tweeting and then looking for the response and being sat there for another half an hour watching stuff? Or are you tweeting and leaving? Because I feel like if you tweet and leave, that's fine because you're not actually spending any time on there procrastinating. You're providing a bit of content to your audience and then going away. Whereas I feel like the trap is you've posted something, someone's responded, then you get into a conversation and then you're like, oh, what's this trending topic? You click on that and then you suddenly go down this rabbit hole of like exactly what Twitter wants you to do. Exactly. And I've I've had some really good experiences on Twitter with crowdsourcing ideas. Like Olive came from a tweet really because I put a tweet out there and got loads of replies in like five minutes and realized that when you touch on something a tweet can go viral because you you just know a tweet has touched on something and I think that can be really useful so that's great but yes spending all day on Twitter and scrolling through Instagram you're you're kind of harming yourself because you're you get to the end of the day and you've not really looked at yourself you've just looked at Mm -hmm. other people and you've you've kind of neglected yourself basically i think the best way to combat that is to before you open the app decide what you're going to do on it before you get there like have that plan in advance because if you're like i'm going to go on here and network with 10 people and you go on it and you do that then you know you're finished whereas if you just open it hoping that it will give you the answer that's when you kind of get sucked into it and the procrastination kind of kicks in because I know someone who, and I thought this was crazy at the time, and I didn't get it. And now I kind of do. I, I have a friend who schedules in time. And, and I suppose her Instagram is a business account, but she puts it in her diary, like post on Instagram and reply to 20 comments. It, it's in her calendar. Yeah. I think that's actually quite genius now. You know, when we're cavemen and we're foraging around and then we find a berry and then we get a huge endorphin rush. That's why I can't do what you just said is because the sheer joy of randomly going onto social media, stumbling into an account that I've never heard of, and then uh, getting an opportunity from it or following someone really interesting or that, and obviously that's why the platforms are designed how they are. That's what sets my brain on fire. And that's what will always keep me coming back to these apps to randomly scroll because I might find a berry. But based on what Nir Nir Eyal was saying to us, if you plan that in advance, I'm going to give myself half an hour to randomly scroll then that's completely Mm. fine because you've set that in advance and you've set your time limit in advance. Whereas you find yourself just, if you just open it, hoping that something, you'll find you end up doing that 20 times in a day rather than just the actual half an hour you've given yourself to do it. That's what I do on emails. That is is the whole finding the berry thing, isn't it? Like we're just rats refreshing and refreshing and refreshing because every (laughs) so often you do get an email saying i'm going to give you loads of money to come to hawaii or whatever (laughs) haven't had one of those for a while but your brain remembers that when actually most of it is just distracting you from doing your stuff a tasty piece of email cheese (laughs) um so you've you've been on you've been off uh social media a lot more this year and sort of spending more time Um, you've like you started up your mailing list how has that been yeah I've really enjoyed putting my time and effort into the newsletter I suppose it's it's like 20 percent a lot of the cynical stuff that people were saying years ago about how you don't own your audience you don't we don't own them anyway but you know what I mean you don't own the uh, database of people and if Instagram folded tomorrow I it would be quite tragic for a lot of people I think that 
that was their community that they spent years building yeah and that did freak me out and i heard that on a panel years ago and thought mm, that is weird i am working for instagram for free then technically and i don't like that so i that was one thing but then the other thing was just that I made a list of things that I really love and enjoy at the beginning of last year. And on the top of that list was actually going back to, you know, my 21 year old self, which was me writing on the internet for free. I love writing for people. And if they want to read it, that was what the blog was. So kind of re resurrecting really what I love, which is um, creating stuff for people and sharing things and being of service and giving valuable links and podcasts and rec recommendations to people. So, yeah, I love doing the newsletter and I've, I think I said this maybe before on the podcast, but it's the one thing I don't want to monetize at all. I don't want it to be, mm. I, I don't want any adverts near it. Um, maybe down the line, I'll, I'll find a way to monetize it maybe, but I, I just wanted a space for me again, I think. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. Like looking back and thinking, what did I really enjoy doing five years ago? What did I enjoy doing 10 years ago? Because quite often those things get lost. It's like we were talking about music before. It's like I just just stopped, even though I enjoyed it so much. And then now I've refound it. And I'm like, why did I ever stop? And I think it is so worth looking back and being like, if I was five years ago, what would be my favorite thing? If I was 10 years ago, what would be my favorite thing? And then if they're not in your life currently, maybe try and find a way to bring them back into it. Because I think that's why people who get quote unquote successful get quite down in the dumps because they get an agent and they and they get paid for this stuff and they get all these deals and then they probably wake up in five years time and realize i'm not doing the thing i liked yeah. and loved and enjoyed and the thing that brought me joy the reason i'm even doing all this and then people get involved and they want to monetize you and they want to grow you and then you think you know i think i was happier when i was on my laptop 10 years ago doing the thing i loved and so i think you need to make sure that is central to what you always do you talk in sabotage about I, I guess it's kind of the the most well certainly for me it was the most important piece that I took from the book is getting to know yourself and I suppose for you that's that's that in action is you knowing yourself of of I must always have this present of writing for the internet for free for my select group of people who are into what I produce and always making sure you keep that as the as the crown jewel and not listening because I'm sure you have a lot of voices that are trying to push you in various directions. Exactly that, exactly. And I think you can hide behind that stuff as well. It's quite easy to have other people make decisions for you and for you to just do things because it's easy. And I think actually sometimes we can end up sabotaging our own career when we turn off the voice that says, wait a minute, you're not doing the thing that you actually love doing anymore. What's going on? So yeah, that is important. Just knowing yourself is is so important because otherwise you can get really distracted as well by what other people are doing and a huge part of sabotage is comparison it always will be and I think now that I know what I want for myself I I want what I want other people to have that too that I, I it's not I look at other people and think I want that because I know I know what I want and I'm gonna go and do it and it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing I'm just so happy for other people. I think you can really find joy in watching other people thrive when you get rid of that comparison. And yes, of course, I still have moments of, oh, I would have loved that job, you know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. because it, it's not like we're actors, but your name will probably get be put forward for something and someone else will get it. That just happens all the time. 
but I can still just feel really good in myself. And I think that's kind of the whole point of, of even being creative. It'll often be the same names as well. So I think when it is the same people, it's, it's so hard not to compare because you're like, oh, they got it again. And it's like, oh, it's just that constant reminder. Totally. Because if it was loads of different people, I don't think it would be as kind of focused. It's true. And I think this is another thing that sabotage led me to. So I wrote the book in 2019, well, the essay, and then it came out last year in the bigger format. And then weirdly, I got really into the topic, like even more after I wrote the book. So I'm kind of gutted now that I haven't included some of it in it. But I got really into Eckhart Tolle. I got really into Byron Katie, Martha Beck, um, Mo Mo Gaudat, like all these people I'd kind of heard of, but I got super into them last year. And everything around observing your thoughts, not believing your thoughts, questioning if things are true before you go into a spiral. And so, you know, if someone who you think is better than you uh, is getting all the jobs, I think if you sit with that and actually say, are they better than you? Like, is that is that actually true? Do you know that's true for sure? Maybe not. Maybe there's other reasons why they got it. Maybe it wasn't right for you. Maybe something else better will come along. Or, you know, you can, I, I think yeah. that's what I've really learned is that you get a thought and it's not, it doesn't mean it's actually true. Yeah, I think I've always been quite good at doing, like being on the good side of that. So if something happens good to someone else, I'll generally try and think of a multiple multiple reasons why that's happened. And like, well, maybe they know someone in a better area or like, because like most times people get stuff through friends and especially I think the art world really struggles with this because a lot of times you'll get someone who's really, really talented and then they'll, because it's like a physical thing, you can see the difference between that painting and that painting. You're like, well, how is that person successful? How are they selling these paintings, getting these jobs when my work is definitely better than theirs? It's not fair. And then people get stuck in that like, oh, this is just frustrated. And then they just kind of get annoyed and upset. Whereas actually, if you think, well, why are they getting it? They probably just know someone who can get them in that position. And then thinking, well, that's what I have to do then to get into that position. It's not just a matter of who can create the best art. It's who can create a way to kind of get that to the world and to sell it. Mm. Yeah, because I think we spoke maybe on the first one that we did about how actresses and actors are getting more roles if they have more followers on Instagram. And we were like debating whether that was fair And then actually we kind of, I think we were discussing that that's the world we live in. Unfortunately, that's the game you have to play. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's wrong. And I I think that's important to understand in in the creative art world is who gets to validate it anyway. Like Van Gogh sold Mm. no paintings. He could could not find one person that liked his work. Doesn't mean it's not good. And, but I think you can sabotage yourself by getting really bitter about things yeah, I see it 100%. in people all the time. I just, I see it and I see it and I understand it. The whole, you know, or you, this person knows someone or that person got that and I didn't. And I, and I, I think that can keep you quite small as well. So you, know, you have to work past that as well. I love what you said a minute ago about basically wanting everyone to succeed. And I totally empathize. And I think everyone, probably most people that have got a podcast have that thing that you have of like, once you've discovered it for yourself, this this kind of need of of like like come on you could do it like and, and wanting other people to do it there's something so energizing about about empowering people to do that it's it's 
of of everything I've done, me and Adam were were talking last week about um, legacy, and really, it, I I think like the more people you can help, that that forms your legacy and and how people sort of what you leave behind is is like how many people you can touch in a positive um, way and I just think that 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 obsession once you have found the success you sort of need to find the success for yourself first and then once you have done that the sharing of of that with others of how they can find that success is absolutely intoxicating and I think we're all obsessed with that yes definitely absolutely and I think that you can really kind of like you say you almost have to sow your seeds first (laughs) and then you want to kind of get everyone on board because you think well I've learned all this stuff and I want you to know this and I think coming from that place of abundance and not scarcity is something I've been working on like the the world is infinite time is infinite the universe is infinite our creativity is infinite so to try and be like this is mine and this is only mine like that would be a horrible way to live I think yeah I think my favorite phrase to describe all of that is one that Viv, Viv Groskop said that was lift as you climb and I think that's just such a nice thought of like when you're going up always bringing people with you as well because it's like the like life is a ladder and people are at all different stages of that so if you can do anything to help them up to the next one even if that's getting them above you like it's just going to help because if, hopefully if you get them above you they're going to then help you up as well so it's just like any way that people can help each other is just so so important once you have found that success and and you have all of those things that you described you can still you're like obviously you want to share it and but you still have your kind of down moments of doubting yourself and that's that's i loved sabotage because it was because you wrote it like fresh off the heels of olive because i couldn't believe it when you dropped it i think i saw on twitter (laughs) randomly scrolling one day um and it and you just were like oh new book out and i was like what but you only just bloody put out the last one um but obviously, I mean, yeah, there was probably a gap of time in between there, but but you just released it and um and then sabotage came like hot on the heels. But I loved it so much because it was it was kind of a because it came so close to to Olive, you talk so much in the book about everything that you went through in writing Olive and how you doubted yourself and how you how you sabotaged yourself in the writing of your own novel. Yeah, because I mean Stephen Pressfield talks about the resistance being fear that you dance about you dance around the fear because it's actually pinpointing the thing you want the most and I've always wanted to write fiction and it was just it was my resistance I suppose I that was where my inner critic got really loud and I write about that in sabotage and I actually wrote a lot more and it got edited out because <laughs> they were like this is a diary entry at this point I don't think I don't think the reader <laughs> needs to know all of that stuff Um, But the point was that I had a bit of a freak out and yeah, rang my agent was like, I don't want to do it. Um, I basically made up an excuse and I lied. I outwardly lied and said, I don't want to do it. And it was really weird. It was like an out of body experience. Like I was looking at myself from like a bird's eye view. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you like canceling like a, a meeting? this is weird. I was running away. It was really strange. And I know that people might roll their eyes and be like, oh, boo hoo, you and your novel. But you can enter in something else in in place of the novel, which was my thing. Um, but I was terrified of it. And um, I think it's because it was genuinely my dream from when I was like mm. five years old. And what 
happens with sabotage is sometimes we sabotage things because we're not necessarily scared of rejection we're scared of our dreams coming true which sounds weird but it's true like Brené Brown talks about it a lot how the most frightening emotion for humans is actually joy it's not negativity and darkness and depression it's actually our own joy is frightening because it means it can be taken away which is why Mm. you know I don't know personally but why having children is meant to be terrifying because you're you love them so much and so for me I was turning my back on the very thing I wanted so got there in the end you touched you touched upon something there that uh, was a piece of advice that you gave in the book about how just speaking in the third person to yourself can be a really good way to kind of get out of your own head I feel like that's something that so many more people should do because you do just live in your own head and it becomes this spiral and taking that step back and kind of being able to say to yourself like you're a different person talking to yourself what would you do in this situation because a lot of times if you said to yourself like well if my friend was in this situation what would I say to them like it just is so effective yeah it really is and I I remember realizing it uh that I was doing it to myself that I was being awful to myself I remember writing like 20,000 words of the novel and just thinking this is awful this is rubbish I'm not going to show anyone this is like what am I doing and then I remember that night one of my really close friends texted me saying Emma I've just I've just done 20,000 words of my book like what do you think? Am I am I making progress with this? And I just wrote back saying, "That's amazing. You like you you're a third way in. You have to keep going. You've broken the seal. You're in. Like carry on." And and I read it and I was like, "Why am I not saying this to myself? <laughs> yeah. It's hard to, but it's it's the, the the contrast was huge. We give so much advice to other people all the time, yet it can always always be so hard to just take on that advice yourself, and. Yeah, it's like we were talking before this episode started and you were telling me about something and I was like, you just need to take your own advice. Like I've literally just been listening to your book and you've given the owner, you've given yourself the answer within that book. So I think sometimes like going back and listening to things that you've written before or just like, yeah, just speaking to yourself like it's that third person will just make such a difference. Yeah, well, it'd be weird if I was like, I'm going to Google my own quotes tonight. But <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean, because I, I think with the multi-hyphen method, <laughs> I wrote it because I wanted the book to exist. I went on Amazon and tried to buy a book about being a multi-hyphen. It didn't exist. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write this book. But then people were treating me like I had all the answers. And they were like, well, I bet you never struggle. I bet you're amazing at working from home. I bet you never have any down days. And I thought, God, do people really think that about authors? Because you do know we wrote the book because we were struggling. (laughs) That's why it happens. Have you seen... Have you seen a massive um, uptick in in conversations around multi-hyphen life since lockdown? I have, yeah, it, which was really interesting. And, and, and how strange that the world has changed so much in the couple of years because in 2018 when it came out, I remember having to really sell it. <laughs> not, not that I was on, a, on you know, a campaign, but I was, I was having to sell the idea of flexible working. I was having to say... You know, this is why multiple income streams is a safer bet than a nine to five. This is why working from home is is can be great for some people. And I just remember going on like some BBC podcasts with um, hosts that were a lot older than me and they and they didn't really understand it. And now I'm thinking, well, we're mm. in the global experiment now of being more um, multi-hyphenate. So 
I'm not saying it's the answer, but I just think it's become a bit more mainstream now. And I'm just so glad that we're having conversations about how work is broken. Finally, people, I don't think people really wanted to admit how broken it was. They're trying to like paper yeah. over the cracks. Lots of CEOs didn't want to say, oh yeah, this is all broken. They just wanted to keep people coming to work, keep people, get the bums on seats. And now the jig is up really. Yeah. And I think the multi-hyphen thing, for especially like for me and David, if we didn't have that in our lives, this last year would have been completely different for us. It was the fact that because we do dip our toes into so many different things, then some things quietened down, but allowed us to continue on the other things. If we just had all of our eggs in one basket, if that was the wrong basket, we would, yeah, it would have been a very, very different year for us last year compared to what it actually went like. Mm. Yeah, and I think we need to yeah. give people more training in this space. I'm not saying that everyone wants to be you know um a painter slash doctor slash pottery maker like obviously the multi-hyphen method is full of those examples but i do think that we should be telling people and showing people how to pivot during times like this would have been quite useful i think yeah and i think it's not that kind of example of like a doctor and an artist things that are so different it's like everything that we do is relatively in the same field just kind of like just kind of like cuz like brothers or sisters next to it rather than like cousins away mm -hmm. and yeah i think whatever you're doing there will be stuff that you can spread into that isn't too far from what you're doing now even if like it's just the skill set that you have you might be able to take that into something else and really like just develop a new skill that you wouldn't have thought you could do until you actually start doing it and you're like oh actually yeah this is quite similar to the other thing that i do totally it's been interesting to see people who are obviously in industries that are really negatively impacted so food for example um and then seeing people doing online cookery classes and and just the the way that people have managed to even even in an industry that's really really severely hit by this um because obviously it, there, there's such a, a wide spectrum of of like disasters that have gone on that some of us have been able to thrive and then others have like really had to think very creatively to to um in order to survive i mean i think we're all just treading water at this point but um hopefully a lot of those skills will be transferable when we as we come out of this into whatever we go into because work has completely changed now yeah it has and it's it's amazing how quickly we all have adapted i think that's quite one thing that's amazing about humans i think we do adapt it's taken yeah. a while but now you know the fact that we're doing this podcast like this at first i did find it hard now I probably will do this now. Um, yeah, which same. which is a shame because mm. I like seeing people in person. But the amount of time I have got back from commuting or from you know just the the kind of bits in around town <laughs> is that what you call it? Um, but yeah, just like <laughs> yeah. running around London. You know, um, I think we are streamlining. The only thing I worry about is that we. I think there is a trend where people cut down and they're like, great, I've got like two hours back. And then they just add that two hours of more work. Yeah. And 100%. so that's been the challenge for me at the moment is I don't want to be more productive just because I can be. I want to make sure that I'm using my time in the best possible way. Yeah. And I think it's working out what's important to you and making sure you have time for that as well. Like we were talking earlier about like just going to the pub and being with your friends and like being around in different places, making sure that actually now if you can save three hours in a week because you don't have to travel somewhere to do a podcast compared to doing it online then you make sure that that three hours goes towards 
spending when obviously when we can spending time in the pub with your friends doing the things that actually bring you joy rather than just getting into this cycle of like oh i've got three more hours to do more work which is then gonna just because if you've got three more hours to do more work there's and you're already busy and at capacity that's probably going to bring in more work that's then gonna you're probably going to say yes to and it's just going to become this massive stress ball that will just explode in years time which i think was happening before covid hit people would kind of getting to that stage of everything's optimized i'm taking on so much stuff and that's why like so many people are burning out and i I feel like burnout has been such a massive word over the past couple of years because we've optimized too much burnout is has really happened last year i have i know quite a few people that that have had to take quite a bit of time off now because of 2020 and i think that the like you say it was like the optimizing of every single five minutes but it was also the panic of if you did have work you felt like well i better i better do loads of it then because i'm lucky and i've got work um and there was also the panic of you know the financial side of things like i did not make as much money last year as i made the year before not not nearly like it was it was really scary and and i'm extremely privileged and can absolutely live on the money i make but you just have this feeling of okay oh god i've got to make up for that then but burnout as well isn't necessarily the workload anyway it's the anxiety behind the workload and so people were burning out not necessarily because they had like five zooms a day which is really difficult but it was just the mental load the adjustment the fact that our brains aren't used to it it it, we're burning out for so many more reasons beyond work at this point and um, i think finishing the work day early has been really good for a lot of people i know they're just like you know what the work day needs to be shorter then do you take Fridays off as well? I do, yeah. Well, I say off. It's meant to be my day to read, to read articles that I've saved up, to listen to podcasts. Just a day, which is worky. It's still worky, but just not in the traditional sense, I suppose. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, um, me and Adam have talked about this before, but I I have a day that I spend with my girlfriend. Um, I love that. And because that's, because that's another... Um, I mean, because she used to work here, like we would be together every day, 24 seven. And then all of a sudden we weren't anymore because I was still coming into paint. Um, so we carved out that time because a relationship is, is just as important as work and all of the other things. And it still does need time. So rather than just sort of trying to cram an hour in here or there, it's like Saturdays are our days together and is our day together. And that's, that's our time. So sectioning. And I think it's, especially when it comes to creatives like having that schedule of this is and like we've hit hit on it a number of times here of like here's my half an hour to scroll instagram here's my day with my girlfriend here's my whatever it's like here's my day to do podcasts and articles like having those set times is is there there's freedom in the discipline Mm -hmm. i see what you mean yeah it's funny because i don't have i wouldn't say i have a routine i'm not a routiney person my weeks are so different from one to the next i I don't really have that kind of mondays are like this tuesdays like that i do have fridays that are this is this day that's blocked out but it, it did make me more aware of this last year that maybe it is good to have set times for things and it makes you feel a bit more empowered but like you say it's not the this is my diary and it cannot be changed it's just giving yourself pockets of time to add with the chaos (laughs) if that makes sense which has worked well for me actually it's like when you're planning what you're going to do that week working out well i've got three hours i have to allocate to being down in pub with my friends and that has to go in and i need to put that in first and i think 
maybe even deciding what priority things have to you like making sure that those things that are easy to just let go have a higher priority so you make sure you slot them in before you fit everything else around it because I think like the whole work-life balance thing it's it's good to be able to set up a life that you are doing the things that bring you joy first and then you fit in the work around them because if it becomes the other way then it's easy for them to just kind of go by the wayside like me and David were talking the other week about what our year uh, what our word for the year would be and David said legacy and I said friendships because I think this year I want to make sure that I spend a lot more time like with my like talking to my friends and like interacting with the people that I meet on like on the podcast and like I've built so many friendships over the past few years that it's easy to start them but then it's nurturing them and making sure that they continue Mm -hmm. and I think just from this conversation I think what I might do going forward is making sure that I make sure that I hit say three hours a week talking to the people that I want to be talking to and making sure that I schedule those in beforehand rather than just me saying oh, I'm going to do three hours and then just have it in the back of my head carry on working and be like oh I actually don't have any time today to do it mm-hmm. yeah working that, that way around because that reminds me actually of something so I got a life coach last year because I felt like I was ready to I didn't I didn't think I needed therapy but I needed like a person that I could talk to who wasn't my friends and wasn't my colleagues I just I mean it's a bit it's funny, isn't it, that you like pay someone to listen to your problems, but that's sort of what I needed. And she helped me do exactly that, which was create this life calendar of things full of the things you want to prioritize because I had fallen into the trap of just responding to things. I wasn't actively planning my life. I was just responding to other people's demands. Yeah. And she had got me into this thing of color coding my calendar. It was green for work and pink for social. And she was like, I want to see equal amounts of green and pink because that was also what I wanted. And it's changed everything for me. And it, they both feed each other. I just feel so much happier. And sometimes you just need someone to come into your life and just give you a tool like that. Doing that that visually, I think, is so would, would help a lot of people. So uh, if you're listening to this and you just carry it all in your head, because that's what I do, I carry everything in my brain and my brain's not that reliable. <laughs> it's not. Um, much to, <laughs> much to Adam's like, despair. But, um, but yeah, I think having that, that visually being able to see it just may, allows you to um, quantify it so, so much. And in that will allow you to be more protective of your time. And, and one of the things that you say in Sabotage is, and it's just like a little throwaway thing that I wrote down because I was like, that's actually really important that I wanted to ask you about is um, you're, you're sabotaging yourself when you're saying yes to people that you should be saying no to. Mm-hmm. God, that's such a hard one that I've had to learn. I'm such a people pleaser deep down and I'm sure there's all sorts of childhood things that I could analyze there, but uh, saying no is really hard for a lot of people, but I especially couldn't do it. I actually have... That's why we've got you on the podcast (laughs) three years in a row. No, I've always got time for you guys. I have turned down a lot this year and I feel really icky about it. Like I I hate it. I hate saying no to people. It just makes me feel like I'm going in the wrong direction, but I have to, I have to say no to things. Otherwise I'm not going to get any work done, but it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, you have to learn how to do it in a way that you feel comfortable with and I literally have a template of responses and I copy and paste I mean I make them my own but I it's like <laughs> yeah. the way that I have to say no um I was sabotaging myself that was it I was sabotaging myself by saying maybe a lot 
Because that is just not, yeah. it's just mm. not fair on people. And I blame Mark Zuckerberg for yeah. the maybe button on Facebook because that made us all flakes. It made us all go, maybe, maybe I'll come to your party. And then you're just the worst friend yeah. in the world because they're like, do I, do I get food for you? Are you coming? Yeah. And you're just like, maybe. So I've got really good now at saying yes or no. And, and that is good. Yeah, that reminds me of like, it's just a random flashback I've had of being in, being in Asia somewhere and like getting off a kind of a touristy bus and there's always kind of like the locals there trying to sell you stuff or take you to somewhere to sell you something. And I remember reading something being like, if anyone ever asks you something, just say yes or no. Don't say maybe or may or the worst, I'll will later. Oh, because that was what I said. And they always circle back. Because then you've because you yeah, you've basically made a promise to them. And we were in a situation where um similar like a few days later actually, the same similar thing happened where we were sat at a table having some lunch and there was a kind of a couple of girls sat over there and one of these people came up to them like, oh, so you're going to buy now? And they were like, you could just see them being like, oh shit, I didn't expect these people to come back. And they were like, oh no, 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 but you, but you said you would. And then it was like, it was a real problem where they ended up having to buy stuff and because they kind of got pressured into it. But it was like if they'd have just because we're that scared yeah. of the yeah. word no but i remember liz gilbert saying um that she has to say no now because if you say maybe later or you say oh i'm not around on that date or oh i, I don't know if i can do it for this reason they, they always come back and say well we'll give you more money or can you do it on another date or okay well if you can't fly there maybe we can do it digitally or yeah. so just oh just say no just say no being protective of your time is um, is is really important, and I'm the same as you. I've got copy and paste um, templates that that I send out now, um, and it's just it's it's been a real relief because I am the same as you. I would say yes to a lot of stuff, and I think I, I think it's a 2020 thing. Is go, having been through that year and and being able to now to prioritize and just going. It's a Marie Kondo on it and just is is this going to bring me joy? It is really simple when you think about it, but I don't know if I would have been so clear on what I'm trying to achieve without 2020, which is really weird. I was thinking like in this parallel world, what would I be like right now if 2020 had been normal? And actually, I think I prefer this version of me, which is kind of a strange yeah. thing to say, but I think it's true. I think I would have got really whisked up in a lot of things last year. And actually, I I didn't, and um, and I and I've been able to understand what brings me joy in a much less materialistic way. I I just I just wonder, like, we we can say all of these like positive um, things that we've taken from it. It's going to be so tempting when the world gets back to normal because I do believe that it will get back to like completely normal. I wonder how much we will remember. It's almost like we should write those those letters that like a letter from 2020 that you seal and then you open in your you open it in five years time or something to just check back in of, of like remember what is important because this is this has been the time where we can really work that out and we can have that time with ourselves to to find our priorities and let's not let's not forget those i know what you mean but i and and i and i love hearing when people say i think the world will get back to normal because somehow I can't imagine it yet but I know that you're right it will but I I think deep down when you go through something traumatic because we have we've all gone through like a collective trauma I don't think that ever leaves you I mean maybe it will mm. but 
I was listening to someone actually on a podcast recently, the host of On Being. I think she's called Krista something. But she was saying that when she had depression, uh, she got better and, and, and she kind of, it went away, quote unquote. But she says that like, if you've gone to the darkest place and you've and you've had clinical depression, you never, it never leaves you. And you always, you're always mm. the person that knows that that's there. And I kind of not, and maybe it's a bad comparison, but I feel like what we've been through will be a part of us now forever. I suppose it's like, do we address the problem or not? Or do we just kind of think like, oh, that happened. But it's like, well, that happened. And then it's actually analyzing, I think, what was good, what was bad, and then what we could do different going forward. Because I think where stuff really kind of like dwells and like sticks and in your brain is when you've never really confronted it. And I suppose it is important to confront it and then work out, yeah, how, well, that happened and I can't change the fact that that happened. So what can I do about that going forward? Yeah, and what can you apply in your in your life moving forward? I mean, for me, it is the ability to know what being present actually means. People would always say, yeah. be, be present, be in the moment. And like we hear that all the time, don't we? It's just part of culture, like be in the moment, be present. I've realized now that 2020 put us all into this boot camp of having to be present. There was nothing else. We didn't have anything to look forward to. It, yeah. We had to literally sit in our own stuff. And I think it has reminded us that the future doesn't really matter. Like this being alive right now matters. And I think that that, that was just a real test for everyone. Is like, we're not in control. The world does its thing. The universe does its thing. The like seasons change. Like we just kind of move, like the world's in control kind of thing. And I think human yeah. beings think that we can control things. Like we think that we can magic up things, but we can't. So I, I, it was quite humbling, I think, for for everyone. I, I mean, for me. It's like when you experience nature in in like a true sense. Like if you're if you're stood at a foot of a mountain, or if, or if you witness like waves during a giant storm. Or I think most people at some point, if if you're lucky enough to have been outside when a a big a big natural thing is going on then most people have experienced something like that unless you've always lived in a town or a city and you've never actually left but when you are in those moments it is a reminder of like yeah just how tiny we are and 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 the i think that's what makes me it's this weird thing in my head that then that makes me feel like everything that we do is so important because it's because it's so meaningless it's actually like really really important that we that we lift up other people so it's kind of full circle of what we were talking about before but like we we have got this time we are we are these sentient beings on this rock in this crazy ridiculous world that can throw a a, a virus that none of us can see that will affect infect the world and, and thousands of people will die and we'll all be touched by it and we'll all know someone that has caught it or been negatively affected by it um and it's just we are completely powerless so in a way we need to have this power of lifting and inspiring others absolutely or am i just on a no planet? i think for I me think. this really chimes <laughs> in with everything i've ever done in terms of like the the, the message in my books which is do it now make your thing go and start your project mm. because this this culture that we're in of someone in a suit with a clipboard saying where do you see yourself in five years time 
is bullshit. Yeah. Like no one knows. I don't know where I'm going to be in five years time. I don't think you guys know where you're going to be. in. Like we, you know, you live a life of just adapting and creating and moving and zigzagging. And I guess I just, for anyone listening, I suppose it, yeah, it is just that, that the whole YOLO thing, like it, it's kind of quite real right now. I don't think I've ever been as excited for a future five years as I am that now though. Um, because I just feel that I I understand the game now and and, I, and it's what I wish for everyone that listens to this show and it's what when I did my episode the other week it was kind of the the point that I wanted everyone to to take away from it is that everything comes down to you and it's all about what you make and just keep making and eventually you'll make the right things that will resonate with the right people and that will have a positive impact on your life and then it will have a positive impact on other mm. people's lives. It must have been really interesting for you because um, for both of you, but with your work being shared online, because even though, pe- you know, there's less people probably in Shoreditch or wherever, like walking past your work, your your work has gone viral during this time. I mean, has that been a surprise? You're doing the class, classic Emma Gannon of, uh, of interviewing <laughs> Sorry, me and you, and you guys but, are so, actually coming well, on my podcast, so maybe I should save it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll save it. But yeah, no, it's it's been insane. And I think that um, that's the internet. The internet is absolutely wonderful. And even when we none of us could go anywhere, I was, fortunately, I could walk to the studio within 10 minutes. I could isolate up on the roof. And uh, like the most, I'll never forget those days of, because even though we're in tier four lockdown now, it's not the same. And I go up on the roof and I can see lots of people walking around and loads of cars and it's very busy in Shoreditch. But there were some days where, well, there was a a long stretch of time where I was alone on top of that roof with, and I didn't see another human for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I just was in my own space and created completely solo. And then I put it online and thousands of people would see it. And that was a trip was crazy so but but crazy fun and has created loads of opportunities and i'm yeah, very very grateful so, for it's it, so for inspiring because it that's exactly it's like we've got a wi-fi connection and we've got ideas and and i truly believe that is all we need but it's just getting it out yeah. there and that's amazing 100 percent. so given that you wrote the book on sabotage do you do you feel pressure now to to like not, like as you know all this stuff like does it do you throw up a red flag as soon as you spot one of these behaviors in yourself yeah now? I do and it's funny because I wrote the book and obviously interviewed all these psychologists and it's like having a podcast it's like I write the book under the guise of I'm writing a book but really I just want to bring up all these psychologists <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like yeah. can you sort me out I mean I mean I'm writing a book um so yeah I, I do think it's massively changed me now and I can I just know myself and that is really something I, I encourage everyone to do in whatever way you can is notice your own patterns notice your own habits just note just call yourself out a little bit be like oh you're doing that thing again and do not beat yourself up because sometimes I do it and I think I know I'm doing it and I let myself do it because I'm just kind of being kind to myself in a way of like you know I know that like maybe I shouldn't have that third glass of wine but I don't go to that extent of like reining that in I just I'm just aware it's like the observing your thoughts thing and I guess that's what meditation is just being aware being in control um yeah I think that's all you can do really yeah just understanding the way your body works and it responds to stuff 
is the key that I think everyone needs to do as soon as possible. Because the sooner you can get to grips with that, the sooner you're like self-aware. And then that just changes every single thing that you do because you realize that like we're relatively simple as human beings and we all act in very similar ways to other people. So it's like as soon as we can work out how we work, then okay, that's sorted. And then you can carry on and get get on with everything else. Exactly. It's like just knowing your own little hacks that no one else really needs to know about. It's just knowing if you need the morning walk or knowing that actually if you're going to write 500 words of your book, maybe you don't want to go on Instagram that morning because maybe seeing other people doing their thing puts you off. I think it's just protecting yourself as much as possible so that you can create this environment to be your best self. And that is so different for all of us. You know, for some people, it's being teetotal and never drinking. For some people, it's not being on Facebook. For some people, it's, um, you know, yeah, ma- making sure they go on like a two-hour walk. Like we've all got these little things that light us up and make us happy. And I think it's up to us to work out what they are. And the same with yeah. the sabotage thing. Like I know what things, I know now, it's really funny because it's like a golden retriever with a ball. If There's certain thoughts that all of us have where if you go on it, it just goes round and round and round like a dog chasing. Like it's just constant loop. And the trick is to find a way to quieten that loop. The minute that you can quieten that horrible negative thing that goes round and round and round, you're just away. You're going to write like a million books or whatever your thing is. Yeah, It's it's like all in, in your head. And, and that's what sabotage is about is, you know, we can turn down these things. We can do it. It's just that we were never taught. We were never taught this stuff at school. I wish that someone had sat me down and gone, by the way, um, your brain is going to be a massive part of your life. (laughs) And if you look after it, you'll be fine. But no, they teach you about what way a river runs and about rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like a good thing that you could do is probably like just set your if like whatever your hobby, passion is, whatever it is you want to do, set yourself kind of like a relatively outlandish challenge for this year. And then or next and then break that down into like maybe months or something. So you've got like a I want to write a thousand words in the next month, something like that. And then if that doesn't happen, then be like, what was it that stopped that happening? Because then you can start to like that's when you'll start to become self-aware when you realize, oh, actually, well, I spent six hours on Instagram that day. I, you just look on your phone and just see how many hours you spent on each app and stuff and be like, well, that's what's stopping me achieving my dreams. So it's like just set yourself a dream, set yourself a goal, try and achieve it and then but make sure it's kind of like quite a hard one. So it's not just like, oh, you can do it in five minutes. And then when you don't achieve that, then ask yourself, what was it that stopped that next month? Try and take those out. Try again. Did anything else stop it? A couple of things. And then eventually you'll get to a point where, yeah, you've got these habits, you've got these routines that allow you to just head forward in the way that you actually want to go. Absolutely. And and it's really key knowing where you want to go. Because I think yes. some people get tra- uh, trapped in that productivity, but they actually like don't really want to be doing it. And so they just beat yeah. themselves up about it. Because I remember listening to Martha Beck once and she was she writes a book like every four years. Like she writes a book. Well, she has big, big gaps in between her books. And she was saying on a podcast that some people write like two books a year. She has like all these friends that do that. And she was thinking, oh, it's hard sometimes because I compare myself. And I was like, Martha Beck, Oprah Winfrey's life coach. She compares herself. What? But what she was saying is she has a son who needs a lot of attention. She she wants to spend her life looking after her son and writing her books. But 
it was amazing hearing someone just say what their goal is and achieving the goal the goal wasn't to write a bazillion books the goal is to live the life that you want so I think it's important to know what you want and then go and chase it rather than just like I want to be famous or I want to do this you know um thank you so much where can people find you online thank you so much for having me I hope we'll be doing this until we're all 90 um so my website's emmagannon.co.uk where you'll find my newsletter all my books and everything and I think I'll just leave it there for now thank you so much thank you so much